get to, to chapter um, 18 here, where we are today, God's telling Elijah, okay, it's time. Go to Ahab, tell him that there's, uh, there's going to be some rain. Well, during the drought, Elijah had had to go into hiding because Jezebel, Ahab's evil wife, had been killing all the prophets of God. And so this meeting between Ahab and Elijah and had the potential to be just a little bit tense. But Elijah doesn't seem hesitant here at all. He meets his friend Obadiah. He has him set up the meeting with Ahab. And uh, then he and Ahab get together. He sets up a showdown between himself and the prophets of Baal. And this is the story that I want to get to. All right. So there's been Ahab, bad king. Elijah goes, tells him there's going to be no rain. There's been no rain now for three years. And now Elijah comes to Ahab and he says, this is it. We're going to sort of settle this once and for all. God is the true God or he's not. One or the other. And so... He calls all of the prophets of Baal, 450 of them, and he brings them to a place called Mount Carmel. And uh, he has an altar built there, and he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're to have two uh, oxen brought, bulls of, of oxen. We're going we're gonna to slaughter them. We're going to quarter them up. And uh, you're going to take yours. You're going to put it on the altar. You're not going to light the fire. You're going to ask your God. You're going to pray, and you're going to ask him to come and consume the the sacrifice on the altar. And then once you've had a shot, once you've had a try, then I'm going to do the same. Everybody's good. All right. We understand the, understand the rules. We know how this is going to work. So they built the altar. They put the wood on it. They, uh, and Elijah said, you know, um, there's more of you than me, so you go first. And so uh, they cut up their oxen and they quartered it up and they put it on the altar. And then they began to pray to the, to the God of Baal. And then it got a little bit fun because they prayed and they prayed and they got louder and they got louder and they started to holler and they started to, to yell and they started to do all kinds of things. The Bible says they even got up on the altar and started to stomp and jump on it because, because Baal wasn't listening. And Elijah, I like Elijah because Elijah couldn't just let it rest. He, he sort of had to have a little fun with them. So he started to say, well, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Baal's busy. You know, maybe he can't really respond to you right now. Call a little louder. Maybe, maybe he can't hear you, you know. And so he, he's telling them, he's, maybe he's off meditating somewhere. Maybe he's gotten involved in a project. Maybe he's on vacation. Perhaps he overslept. I don't know. But you should probably yell a little louder. And so they started to, to scream and holler and yell a little louder. They even started to cut themselves, the Bible says, because that was one of, you know, their customs. And so they, they sort of did some bloodletting and, and still... Uh, no bail. Well, finally, Elijah had enough. He said, okay, you're done. It's my turn. So he has the altar rebuilt because, you know, after they were up there and like jumping on it and stuff, it had gotten like broken down a little bit. He took stones. He placed stones uh, in, in honor of every tribe of Israel. It was kind of interesting. He took 12 stones that he built the altar the way that God had always instructed him to build an altar. And uh, I love the detail that's in there. Took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes, the same Jacob to whom God had said, from now on your name is Israel. And he built the stones into the altar in honor of God, it says. And then he took and he put the the wood on and then he put the the sacrifice back on top. And then he did something really strange. He had a a trench dug around the altar and um, a fairly wide trench. It says in the message paraphrase. And then he laid the firewood. He cut up the ox, put on the wood, said, fill four buckets with water and drench both the ox and the firewood. And then he said, do it again. And they did it again. And then he said the third time. So three times now he's doused 
this thing with water. And, and the stones and the wood and everything. The altar was drenched. The trench was all filled up with water now. And when it was time for the sacrifice to be offered, Elijah came up and he prayed. And he prayed a prayer of radical faith. He's there before 450 prophets of Baal and all of the nation of Israel that could gather to watch this. Now, if you've been to Mount Carmel, um, you, you would know that when you stand on the top of that, that mountain, that hill, what you're overlooking is the, the valley of, of Armageddon. And this, this, this valley runs, and, and from, from every direction, you can see the valleys that run through all of Israel. And so the nation, the whole nation could be assembled down there in that valley and watching what's happening up on the hill. This is, this is a very realistic, uh, realistic thing. And so he starts to pray, and here's what he says. Oh God, of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, make it known right now that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, and that I'm doing what I'm doing because you told me to. Answer me, God. Answer me and reveal to this people that you are God, the true God, that you are giving these people another chance at repentance. And the Bible says that immediately... The fire of God fell, burned up the offering, it burned up the wood, it burned up the stones, for goodness sake. Have you ever, you know, made a little ring of stones to keep your campfire in? Did your stones ever burn up on you when they got too close? Did that ever happen? No, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. Burned up all of the stones and licked up all of the water that was in the trench so that it was completely dry. So, so one minute... There's an altar with 12 stones and wood and, and wet sacrifice, wet wood, wet rocks and, and water. The next minute, there's just flat ground with a circle and a trench around it and some, you know, black soot. Kind of cool. And it says, as the people saw it happen, all the people fell on their faces in awe and worshiped, exclaiming, God is the true God. God is the true God. And then Elijah told them, you know, uh, well, the next part of the story is a little gory because the prophets of Baal were trying to get away and Elijah had them all sort of run down and, and then they slaughtered them. Uh, you got to love the Old Testament, don't you? And then, um, you know, and then he says to Ahab, get up on your feet, eat and drink, celebrate. Rain is on the way. I hear it coming. Now, I don't want to take too long with this story because I really want to preach what I have to preach, but it's such a great story. So the altar's gone, you know, the black soot hole in the ground thing. And Elijah says, okay, now it's going to rain. And you have to remember, it hasn't rained for three years. So it's really dry in the place. I mean, really dry. And when it gets dry there, everything gets brown and rugged looking. And, and, the, and so the sky is completely clear. Have you ever seen one of those days where there's just not a cloud anywhere in the sky? It's completely clear. And when you're standing on Mount Carmel, when the sky is like that, you can see the Mediterranean Sea. You can see the Mediterranean from, from where that place is. I've been there and I've, I've seen it. And uh, so they're looking around, they're thinking, you've got to be crazy. It's not going to rain. Elijah tells his servant, no, I want you to go. I want you to look toward the sea and, and it's going to rain. Trust me. Servant comes back. I don't see anything. Go look again. No, I still don't see anything. And how many times, I forget how many times he sent him. Seven times, he says, if necessary. Keep looking. And sure enough, 
The seventh time, the servant says, yep, I see a cloud. It's just the size of a, of a man's hand. You know, it wasn't literally the size of a man's hand, but from where he could see it from, that's what it looked like, right? If he held up his hand, the cloud would be blotted out from way over there. And Elijah says quickly then, on your way, tell Ahab, saddle up and get down from the mountain before the rain stops you. How ridiculous is that? It's a little cloud. Get down from the mountain before the rain stops you. Things happened fast, it says. The sky grew black with wind-driven clouds and then a huge cloudburst of rain with Ahab hightailing it in his chariot for Jezreel. And God strengthened Elijah mightily and pulling up his robe, tying it around his waist, Elijah ran in front of Ahab's chariot until they reached Jezreel. What an incredible story. Do you, you know, do I serve that God? Do we believe that, that, you know, the God that we serve is the same God that did that for Elijah? I think we do. And we could look at this story from lots of different perspectives, but I want to look at it from the perspective of the faith of Elijah. Because, you know, as I, as, as I look at it again this week, I was overwhelmed by the idea that although most of us in the church today wouldn't argue that God is the true God or that God has the power to do absolutely and amazing and incredible things, you know, like answering by fire and consuming the sacrifice, water and all, that very few of us today would ever take the steps to put themselves in the tenable position of proving it. Now, I know that proving it really isn't up to us. I want want you to understand that. You don't have to prove that God is who He says He is. I'm not suggesting that. He can, you know, take care of Himself. But what I am suggesting today is that faith needs to be more than just mental assent or belief in something, that that it should have the power to move us to action. This is the case in Elijah's life. And I want you to look together with me at a passage in Hebrews chapter 10. Please turn there. Hebrews 10, uh, 35, and then we're going to read down into chapter 11, verse 3. Hebrews 10, uh, 35 to 11, verse 3. And here's what it says. It says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For in just A very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. And then in chapter 11, it says, Now faith is is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Now, when we look at that passage and we read that passage, we we all remember it. It's very familiar. But I want to just extract a few thoughts about this word faith and particularly talk about what it means to have faith in God today. So first of all, faith accepts God's word. Faith accepts God's word. What is faith this morning unless it it is our response to what God has said? Verse 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. The King James Version renders it this way. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I like that. Not because I believe in so-called, you know, word faith. Because you see the, the word faith people emphasize the word now there. They say, they say, well, that phrase, you know, now faith means something different. And the word substance to support an argument that says through faith we can, you know, speak things into reality. If we have 
this now faith and we can just say what we want and, and we can make things happen just by, just by our words. I don't believe that for a minute. I don't believe that God you know, ever wanted to give us that kind of power or control because most of us, well, probably all of us, are much too carnal for that. But I, I like this, this you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, because it gives the word faith a little extra oomph, doesn't it? Faith is the substance. It's not abstract. There's substance to it. It is the substance, the confidence that we have. Kind of, you know, confidence with an edge, if you will. Being sure with attitude of the things that we hope for. And I like the word evidence there in the King James Version as well, because evidence speaks of, of proof, doesn't it? Proven certainty. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. There is something to faith that's not just abstract, and it is the evidence God has proven himself. It is the evidence of things not seen. Paul talks about faith in Romans and how that, you know, the very message of the gospel, God's word to us, is what brings about faith in our lives. Romans ten seventeen says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. The writer of Hebrews goes on in chapter 11 to recount many, many examples of people of faith in the Old Testament. According to one commentator that I, that I read, he says this, there were many men and women who had nothing but the promises of God to rest upon it without any visible evidence that these promises would ever be fulfilled. Yet so much did these promises mean to them that they regulated the whole course of their lives in the light of those promises. The promises related to a state of affairs belonging to the future, but these people acted as if the state of affairs were already present. So convinced were they that God could and would fulfill what He had promised. The prophet Elijah treated the Word of God as truth. It took faith for him to accept that the words he had received from God as a prophet were first of all from God and secondly that that they were true and would happen. That's the risky business of being a prophet. But when Elijah was instructed to go and tell Ahab, the most evil king to ever come along, by the way, that there was going to be no rain for the next few years, Elijah delivered the message. Not in fear, not in trepidation, but in faith that he was speaking on behalf of God. Because faith accepts God's word. And when God told him to go to Ahab a few years later and tell him that rain was coming, Elijah went and he did it because faith accepts God's word. And when God told him to, to do those things, Elijah went. Probably, you know, he had some reservations, probably. But he went anyway because, because God had told him to do it. John Stott says that faith anticipates the future. It is the assurance of things hoped for and that it evaluates the present, the evidence of things not seen. When we have real faith, we don't just accept things as they are. We look to discern the activity of, of an invisible God, the invisible God. Elijah knew what was coming. He knew that it was, you know, the God moment that would determine once and for all who was the true God in Israel. God had already given him a plan, but I believe it took great faith to initiate it and carry it out. Faith accepts God's word. Secondly, faith attains God's approval. Faith attains God's approval. Hebrews 11 and verse 2 says, this is what the ancients were commended for. The ancients were commended for it, and if we want to please God, we need to have it. Later on, you know, Paul says in Romans, 
that Abraham was justified by faith and that God credited, credited it to him as righteousness. Notice, and I think this is important, he wasn't righteous because he had faith. But because he had faith in God, God credited it, credited it to him as righteousness. Faith in God activates God's grace toward us. We're not righteous. We're not righteous because we have faith. But because we have faith, God looks down and says, you know what? Because you have faith, I'll make you righteous. You understand the difference? Faith attains God's approval. Hebrews 11 and 6. What does it say? And without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. And because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Verse 35 of chapter 10 reminds us, it says, you know, that we should not throw away our confidence because it will be richly rewarded. Verse 38 says the the same thing, but in a negative way. When it says that if we, you know, if we shrink back from faith in, from faith that God will not be pleased with us. So we are to have confidence. We are not to shrink back because faith attains God's approval. I don't know about you this morning, but when it's all said and done, and they're handing out the hardware in heaven. I don't really care much about what any of you will say about me. Sorry. I really don't. Or any other person for that matter. Because what I want to hear is God's voice saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. I'm doing what I do as a, as a believer in Jesus Christ and as a leader in His church to attain the commendation and the approval of Almighty God. Elijah didn't care what Ahab's response to his words and actions would be, or the rest of the nation of Israel for that matter. He was doing what he did for an audience of one. And friends, that's how we should be living our lives, because faith attains God's approval. Faith accepts his word, and it attains his approval. Thirdly, faith assumes God's power. Faith assumes God's power. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Only by faith. Only by faith can we accept the amazing concept or idea that, that creation happened. This idea of creation that says that something came from nothing. And that what is now seen came from what was invisible. The kind of faith that the writer of Hebrews is talking about assumes that this kind of power is attributed to God. That He is the one who made it all happen. Who made it all possible. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Jesus steps it up in Matthew and he tells us this. Something even more incredible about faith. He says, truly I tell you that if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree. Remember Jesus cursed the fig tree and they came back and it was all shriveled up and dead. Not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea. And it will be done. So faith assumes God's power. And Jesus takes it a step further and he says, you know what? God's power, it's available to you if you have faith. When Elijah went to Ahab and told him that it wouldn't rain for the next few years until God said so, he was making the assumption that God had the power to keep that from happening. And when he went back to Ahab and told him rain's coming, he again was making the assumption that God was about to reverse his original decision and send the rain. When he prayed to God and asked him to consume the sacrifice, he assumed that God had the power 
to, you know, make fire come from heaven when there were no thunderclouds around anywhere. He just assumed. And so, real faith assumes the power of God. Fourthly, faith acts accordingly. And this is really what we need to get to this morning. Yeah, faith accepts God's word. We're all there. Faith, you know, it, uh, it attains God's approval. We feel like God's been gracious in our lives. He has done some great things for us. We know that because of, you know, because of Christ and because of the faith that we've expressed in Christ, that God, God, you know, approves of us. He's made us part of his family. He's allowed us in. Faith assumes God's power. Well, we read the stories. We know that God is powerful. We understand that all this happened and we believe it. I think we believe it. But this last one, I don't know if if I'm always here. I don't know if we're always here. Faith acts accordingly. Hebrews 10 and 36 says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. If we were to take the time to read the entire chapter of Hebrews 11, we would find that this so-called hall of faith, it records more than just a list of people with strong convictions. It is a chapter of action. These people acted on their belief that God had in store for them a better future. They followed God when it didn't make sense. They, they went to places they didn't know because God had placed in their heart a, a, a hope for a better future. They endured hardship and slavery and various kinds of defeat because they believed that God was leading them. Some of them went to their deaths because of their faith in God. And they did all of this because faith acts accordingly. Faith acts like God will reveal His power and like God's Word is true. Faith acts because it is faith that wins God's approval. This really is where the substance comes in. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Well, if you're hoping for something, how, how do you put substance around that? You start to act like it's going to happen. This is the substance. There is something that we have to do, in other words. We've got to act like we believe what we say we believe. And the evidence of things not seen. What better evidence could there be than a group of people doing things that would show that God's Word is being carried out and that God's Word is coming to pass? James 2 and verse 20 says, You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said this, Faith and works should travel side by side, step answering to step, like the legs of men walking, first faith and then works, until they can scarcely distinguish which is the one and which is the other. See, Elijah didn't just pray and say, Hey God, you need to show these people who's boss. Instead, he called them all together. He set up the showdown of the century and he told them the rules and he had the altars built and the bulls brought and the wood arranged and, he, and everything was done according to his instruction. He acted like he believed that God was about to do something big because people with great faith act accordingly. Now, I'm not here to suggest that that's always me. As a matter of fact, this came out of my, my own life journaling and God was speaking to me about, about real faith. All right, you know, you went, you did your Bible college thing. You say, you say all this stuff. Do you, do you really believe 
what it is you're talking about. And I've come to the conclusion that I do. Everybody's relieved. (laughs) But I don't always act like it. And I would venture to say that I'm probably not alone. And so I wanted to just challenge us all today about what it really means to have faith in God. We're saved by faith. We know that. It's because of grace. We don't, we don't do anything that, that gets us in. But once God has expressed His grace toward us, once we're part of the family, we're called to, to be people of, of faith. We're called to believe in this God the way that Elijah believed in this God. We're called to ask God for ridiculous things like, you know, like maybe new families coming to our church here in Milton. Ridiculous things. We're, we're called to believe that, that maybe our neighbors might come to know Jesus Christ because of conversations that we have with them or because of, of the prayers that we pray for them. We're called to believe that, that God might heal someone who's sick in our family or maybe even us, ourselves. We're called to believe those things. And believe me, the closer it gets to you, you know, especially the health thing, that's one of the hardest things. Like Dave can tell you that. Debbie can tell you that. To, to have the kind of faith that it takes to believe that God can do the impossible when things like you know, cancer are involved and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. That, that's, really where, that's really where our faith gets tested, doesn't it? That's really where we, we find out if we really believe what we say we believe or not. And I know some of it is, some of it's hope. But I believe that there is substance to this. Faith is the, the, the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. That doesn't mean we go around talking crazy like, you know, oh, God's going to give me a new Mercedes. I tried that. It, it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked yet. Um, I'm not suggesting that you go around speaking those things into existence. I'm not suggesting you go off the deep end. But I am suggesting that when you have that deep conviction in your heart that God is a God who loves you and that He is a God who does the impossible and that you have a heart after Him and want to serve Him and want to do what it is that He wants you to do, that that when those things are all sort of in alignment, that you start to act like God is going to pour blessing into your life. I don't mean just, you know, money and financial stuff. I mean real blessing family, you know, your kids, the things that he does for your kids. I'm, I'm always amazed at, at God's blessing when it comes to that kind of stuff, especially in, in recent weeks and months. You know, we're, we're rich in many ways that we don't realize. And, uh, you know, that's the, kind of, that's the kind of faith that we have to have in God, that God wants to pour into our lives those kind of blessings. And that we need to believe, like not only like he wants to do that, but like he's going to do that. Now, I know sometimes we have faith and we believe and we, you know, we pray and we can never be faulted for the level of our faith and, and things don't go the way we thought they should go. Well, that's another whole message. And, you know, maybe we'll have Rick preach that one sometime. But anyway, uh, you know, there's some hard stuff about this too, right? When God says no. 
But then we have to believe that he is that same almighty God that we put our faith in in the first place and that he knows everything, he sees everything, he has a bigger plan that we're not aware of and that whatever is happening, God is doing it because he's God. And we shouldn't, you know, bother questioning him. I think it's okay to question him, by the way, but, but ask your questions and then when, when that's done, move on, right? Anyway, I digress. Matthew 16, 18 and 19. Jesus made this statement. I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know, I sort of imagine Peter hearing those words for the first time and, and thinking like, what are you talking about? You know, Peter, you're... you're you're the stone. That's what Peter's name meant. But, but I'm the rock. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. But I'm going to do it through you. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And, and when I give you authority, what does it say? I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That wasn't, that wasn't just said to Peter because, you know, he was going to become the pope, uh, that wasn't said to Peter just because he was the first one. It was authority given to the church of Jesus Christ. And as members of his family, we're members of his church. We are the church. This isn't the church. This is Milton Christian School, as a matter of fact. We are the church, right? See, we have a whole lot easier time with this because we don't have a church building out here. So we can't confuse the two. Who's the church? We're the church, right? And so I just challenge you today. Be the church. Have the kind of faith that acts like God's going to do incredible things. Have the kind of faith that, that, that acts like walking around your block and praying for your neighbors is going to make a difference. Have the kind of faith that believes that when you engage a neighbor in conversation or you talk to, to uh, another family that you know who have children, that, that they might actually bring them out to, to a kid's program at some point. Have the, have the kind of faith to believe that when you walk up to somebody maybe even a total stranger, and invite them out to a Wednesday afternoon program that's happening here at Milton Christian School over these next few weeks this summer, that, that they might actually be interested in that and, and maybe come. Because we've got a great group of, of students and interns who are doing a camp here on Wednesdays, and uh, they want to meet kids from the community. And we need your help to invite those kids. We're doing one over at a, at a building on... Um, Bronte, I think it is, uh, there in a, in a kind of cooperative housing area. And they're meeting some kids there that probably most of you don't even know. But I believe that when we start to reach the kids of Milton, we'll start to reach families in Milton. It will start to, to get to the hearts of parents in Milton. And if we could see that happen, we could have the faith to believe that, you know, God will continue to grow us. Man, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? That'd be awesome. I think it would be very cool. But that's just, you know, me. So let's, I don't know, let's pray. Can we do that? Why don't you stand with me? And I know I'm the pastor and it's probably my job to pray the prayer, but uh, I'm going to do something different. If you're here this morning and, you know, God's put that kind of faith in your heart, for Portico Milton, for this community, and for this church, 
But I want to just challenge you, if you're not too shy, just to pray out nice and loud. Lead us in prayer. Let's just maybe have one or two people. And then I'll pray to kind of close this part off. But I believe, I believe that this is the church. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And he is building his church. And he's given us the authority to do that very thing. And so if you've got the same kind of faith to believe that today, would you just go ahead and lead us out in prayer? But please don't wait too long because, you know, silence is awkward. And just pray. Let's exercise our faith this morning. Can we do that? All right, let's bow our heads. Somebody lead us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, oh God. Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. reach out to the city, to reach out to the hurting people of this community. Father, we ask that you would continue to just keep us, our, you, our, our, our um, hearts and our eyes focused on you, to be present here every Sunday, Father. Yes, and when God. we leave this place on a Sunday, Father, we pray that you would continue to keep, our, keep us mindful of the reason that we are here, the reason that we came here, Father, is Thank to reach you, out to the people, not only those who know you, Father, but those who don't know you, who don't have never heard of you, or who don't have a relationship Jesus. with you through your son, Jesus. Father, we want your name to be glorified in this place, Father. It's only you. Thank you are you, the Lord. only God. You are the Lord of lords. You are the King of kings. Thank you are you, the Jesus. King of the universe, Father. 
And as we come before you today, humbly we pray yes, for forgiveness, for mercy, for guidance, for wisdom, for discernment, and most of all, revelation as to where you want us to go. Father, we do not want to do anything that is Thank not you, of Jesus. you and from you. Father, we Thank ask you, for Jesus. your praise. We ask for your blessing, O oh Lord. We bless your name. We glorify your name. In Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Somebody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your presence. God, that's so palpable in this room. God, thank you for your heart that uh, cries out through us and that, God, you have given us this desire to see you move in the hearts and lives of people. Lord, I pray that today would mark a day that, that moves us forward, that, God, today would be a day, Lord, that uh, we would stop looking back God, that you'd even help me to stop looking back. God, at what's, what's taken place here in Milton from, from beginning till now. And Lord, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for the group of people that, that have come together. And God, that, that uh, are a part of the core of this, this community here, this, this satellite, this campus. But God, we want to start from today and look ahead. God, and believe that there are going to be many many people who come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because of this expression of your church here in this community of Milton. And God, to do that, we need to look out. We need to look at the children in the neighborhoods of these communities. We need to look at the opportunities that we have to touch the hearts and lives of families. We need God to begin to pray in our, in our, in our communities, around our, our streets. And Lord, God, just committing ourselves to pray for our neighbors, even if we start with just the neighbor on either side. God, to, be, to begin to walk every day and to, to pray for those people who live on either side of us. And God, just to pray that you will bless them, that you will pour your favor into their lives, to pray that you will cause them, Lord, to wonder what the heck we're doing walking past their house every night, that God somehow will get a conversation going. And Lord, we begin to reach our community one person at a time. God, we're so grateful for all that you're doing, for all that you've done. God, for families who have come and who have been invited by other families. And we believe that, God, it's just the beginning. We want to exercise the kind of faith, the kind of faith that, Lord, not just is, is confident belief, but, God, that, that is put into practice, that, is, that, is, that forces us to action. Or that's the kind of faith we believe that we need today. So in Jesus' name. God, I pray you'd stir each and every one of our hearts. Pray, God, that you'd have your way in our lives. And if there's anyone here today who's never expressed faith in Jesus Christ, that, uh, God, you'd just have them know that all it, all it takes to be a part of your family is to say, I believe. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that he rose again. And I, I receive his forgiveness. I receive your salvation. God, if there's somebody here today that needs to pray that prayer, I pray you give them the courage, the faith, Lord, to just jump out and do it in Jesus' name. 
Now, Father, just continue to have your way in our hearts and lives. And we thank you for your presence here. We thank you for your presence here. In Jesus' name today, amen. Amen.